Scott Price from Sports Illustrated, and then Kellen Sung from the Washington Post. Hi, uh, guys. Uh, I have a, a much broader question. Um, the NFL has obviously lately been dealing with stuff about Colin Kaepernick and the anthem and, and cultural issues that, that are really riding high in the states these days. And it just struck me that tennis is traditionally, even though it's a conservative sport and even though the road has not always been smooth, has always been able in the open era to be on sort of the cutting edge of a lot of social issues in terms of sexuality, gender, even race to a certain extent. And I'm just wondering if you have any idea why that tennis has been proven to be so resilient and, 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 and being on the cutting edge of, of a lot of these issues where other sports may, may not have as smooth a path or cannot as, absorb them as easily as tennis has. It's just, is it a lack of central authority? Is there, do you have any sense of why that might be? Scott, 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 you always come up with singers, don't you? Yeah. You know, I'm just going to just say that um, I think tennis. Hello, Mr. Tipton. Pardon the eruption, this is the operator. I pulled you out of the conference. Mr. Tipton, are you there? Please check your mute button. To say that any other sport, they're not good people, but look at tennis players being an indiv- individual sport. I feel and like. And we're better looking, too. Don't forget. Really that. No, 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 but fans, I mean, I think you really know the individual sport players um, better than you know the team players. And I think, um, you know, I, that's, I just think they, for the most part, tennis players have been really good people when you look at. Billie Jean, and you look at Martina and, and coming out um, the way they had in a very dignified way, and um, you look at Serena and, and the race, you know, the race question, and she's had yeah. to put up with a lot, but she's been very graceful at it. So I, I don't know. I think the players have gotten a lot of support from fans, and they deserve it because they're all, I mean, they've all been very classy and graceful in the way that they've come out with being with the diversity, with being a little bit different. I mean, John, let, let, let me just, conservative let me just sport add, usually, but what do you think? Yeah, well, I, you know, let me just add that what tennis had going for it, uh, I believe, in, in terms of what you're asking about, we played a fair amount of events at Grand Slams together, you know, so there was um, the togetherness that existed in some ways before any of, the, any of this happened. You know, if you go way, way back. And so what mm-hmm. what happened was is that as people started to realize, you know, that the playing field wasn't level, people, you know, great champions like the Billie Jean King who, you know, battled and fought for equality. And, you know, the, old, the guys that would be, including myself initially, they would be like, wait a second, you know, what's going on here? And, and eventually you started, you know, in Title IX in the 70s, all these things started to come together and, and allowed uh, the players, male players in particular, to get a, a better perspective, a different perspective, and to realize that there was actually we could turn something that perhaps we didn't necessarily believe in into something that we understood and actually got behind, and we, we'd benefit from it in the long run. You know, me as a father of six, four of my kids are girls. You know, I understood as I became a father the importance of, you know, girls feeling like, hey, I can grow up to be a professional athlete, a professional tennis player, 
and 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 that it was a tremendous thing uh, that wasn't you know looked at the same way years before. And so, the other irony was that you know when Bobby Riggs was trying to you know get some publicity for himself and started talking about you know him playing the girls, that the fact that he ended up playing Margaret Court and then you know losing to Billie Jean King sort of brought all this to the forefront a lot sooner than perhaps it would have. You don't see that in other sports. You don't, you know, people don't, they're always asking me about Serena, you know, could I beat Serena? But they're never asking, you know, LeBron James about, you know, whether or not he could beat uh, someone else or whoever, even an older guy, Michael Jordan or whoever it was that played, Kareem. Uh, they could play some girl and, and, and how they would do, you know. And so because of all those things sort of happening, over the course of the past three or four decades, I think that, ironically, and, and, and I have to add, I'm happy to say that we've sort of been at the forefront of a fair amount of things. Thank you. Yeah, but, and, I, and, I, and Scott, I, I also see that when you, John very eloquently talked about Billie Jean, and we talked about Serena, talked about Martina. I mean, these are all role models. These are all deep thinkers. These are all women players who have been, gone through a lot of adversity and have fought hard for what they believed in and, and have earned and deserved a lot of respect from the public. And that's, that's the support I'm talking about. Great. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Good stuff. Kellen Song is next from the Washington Post, and then Matt Foley from Ozzy.com. Hey, everyone. Uh, thanks, uh, John and Chrissy. And I just have uh, two questions. Um, first one. It seems like, a, you know, quite a long time ago that, you know, Angelique Kerber, we're talking about her dominating the tour and yeah. being world number one and winning two slams. What do you think her chances are at the U.S. Open? Maybe, could she, can she get things back on track? And how many players would you put above her in terms of contenders? And uh, I guess more so for, for, for John, you know, Nick Kyrgios had – I saw him play at, in Washington, D.C., and he, is, you know, he, didn't, he just didn't seem all mentally there. Where do you think his – mental game is now and I you know I actually just read uh, your books recently and I know that there are times that you felt you didn't feel like playing tennis what advice would you give him uh, Nick Kyrgios the one who got to the finals last week yep mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. yeah so I mean uh, yeah uh, he's even he's, he's talking about I'll, you know, I'll, I'll answer first yeah, yeah go, go ahead, ahead. Go I'll ahead. go with Nick Kyrgios and then Chris you can answer the first part go um, for it. You know, Nick Kyrgios, uh, I think people, if they listen to me or have spoken to me, understand where I stand on Nick Kyrgios. I mean, he's the most talented player out there that's, you know, 22 years. I think he's 22. If I, And he's, you know, he has the, you know, the, the attributes, the physical and the game to be the best player in the world. Now, can he put it together to dedicate himself, you know, in terms of uh, the, the level of fitness required these days and the le level, the, the mental aspect of it, where, you know, you need to go and give a sustained, you know, in my opinion, if you want to be the best player in the world, you got to give a, a sustained effort, you know, day in and day out. That's what separates the good from the great. He's already like a very good player. We could see how talented he was in Cincy. He mentioned in the uh, post-match uh, uh, uh interview or when he was thanking the crowd that he had worked with uh, Grigor a few weeks earlier they had trained and that um 
he felt like after an hour and a half he was dead, and he saw that Grigor was a lot fitter than he was, and he realized that he needed to do more and that he was a little bit psyched out by even playing that two out of three set match in Cincinnati to get himself to the level of fitness uh, that would be necessary to win slams. So hopefully he's going to you know, use that you know, incentive and, and learning experience as a positive because we all see what he's capable of doing. But we also see what happens when he's, you know, feels like his mind's not there. He just he doesn't he doesn't go out and play, you know, and he's he's been pulled he's pulled out of a fair amount. So, as a you know, a, a someone who knows that he brings something to the table and who's got some personality and has got you know tremendous talent, I hope and pray that he be, you know gets gets it and becomes you know what I believe he could be is the best player in the world. But that requires a change mentally, you know, a sustained five-year plan, you know, and I believe it can it be done. Yeah, I hope I hope it does. From your vantage point, do you see that he's improving in that in that area? Well, I mean, if you know, he was on a two-month losing streak. He didn't lose. He didn't win a match for two months. You know, two or three of them he pulled out. Wimbledon being one, I believe, and well, I'm not sure if he finished in Washington, but I don't. Yeah, I don't recall the uh, that that one. But there was a couple matches he didn't finish. And so then suddenly what appeared to be out of nowhere is suddenly his hip, you know, which he's been complaining about, got better, and he got to the finals of Cincinnati. I'm not around him enough regularly to know. Uh, so I, I, I certainly, you know, after losing seven matches in a row, getting to the finals of Cincinnati, Cincinnati is a big step forward. It's a jump up, obviously, as we all know, to play best of five in conditions where it can be very, very hot here. So we'll have to wait and see. I mean, he's... He's he's still learning. He's young. Uh, hopefully, you know, if you look at, you know, Rogers 35, now 36, and arguably playing the best tennis of his life. So you could say, well, he's, you know, slowly, hopefully, but surely going in the right direction. Thanks, John. Okay. Um, Angelique Kerber. Uh, do I think she can turn it around? Uh, yes, I do think she can turn it around. Um, is it, it, I don't know if it's going to be at the U.S. Open, but listen, it's all mental with her. Um, she's got the game, She, but she was playing with a, a lot more freedom and a lot more zip and a lot more confidence uh, last year. And as far, But she, she does have the game if she can just um, <clears throat> not feel so tight in these matches and and, and play with the freedom that we saw. Um, remember, she was the one at Wimbledon that had that really close match with uh, Muguruza, I believe, right? She, right? That was that was the uh, I think the turning point in Muguruza's tournament. And I and I said that they I think it was a three set match, and it was like whoever won that match would that would turn their game around. And sure enough, Muguruza was the one that won the match. Um, so I do think she's close, but she's just mentally got to sort of tweak a few things. Um, right now, Muguruza on paper is the favorite, but as I said before, uh, you just don't count out a Madison Keys who has the power. Don't count out Pliskova, who enjoys playing in New York, who reached the final last year. Um, Caroline Wozniacki. I mean, there's just so many players. Conta, I don't, I don't know, you know, where she is with her game now, but there's like uh, eight or ten players, um, I believe, that could win the U.S. Open. Great. Thank you. 
And Chrissy, that match was a uh, round of 16 three-setter. Yeah. Next up, Matt Foley, Aussie.com, then Chris Odo at Tennis Now. Hi, guys. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit about what you are seeing from Francis Caffo's game and then um, who are some young athletes on the women's side that uh, you've been impressed by recently. Well, Tiafo's a great athlete, and he's coming along. You know, it remains to be seen if some, of the, some parts of his game and some strategy as well as technically he can work, work those out, smooth those things out. But, you know, he seems to be uh, learning uh, quite nicely. And um, I anticipate that he'll for sure be like, a, I mean, I think he'll be eventually a top 10 player. I think that he needs to add more to his game and understand what he needs to do, which, you know, is, is natural for a young kid. I think he's 19 to develop into hopefully someone who can t- contend and possibly win a major but he's certainly taken some big steps in the right direction. Oh, are you there? Uh, Hi, yeah, thank are you. you are you finished, John? Sorry. I'm all finished. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I think we have to give a shout-out to Sloan Stevens for coming back uh, in such a way that she – has that has a different look in her eyes when she's out there on the court now and she's she's fighting hard and she's very focused and uh you know what i i think she's got enormous potential we always saw we always saw the game and we always saw the talent but uh i think that taking off a year i think it's um you know given her a little more meaning behind her tennis and her and maybe made her a little more passionate about her game, so I'd like to give a shout-out to her. Um, Vitalina, I didn't even mention her because there's just so many at the top, but she's like, what? What about Ostapenko? Mention her, too, because she won the French, right? Yeah, Ostapenko um, has been a little disappointing so far in the hard-court season, which I'm surprised at because I thought maybe she would continue her run um, on the hard-courts where her shots are going to have a little more pace. Um, but she's dangerous, but hasn't really followed through on, on that momentum of winning the French yet. But uh, Svitolina, who's won a tournament, actually she's won more tournaments than anybody this year. She's won four or five tournaments and forgot about her. Um, you know, she's young. I think she's 22. you got to give her a, a great shot also at winning the Open. Great. Thank you. I mean, yeah, unless there's somebody I'm – other young ones I'm forgetting. I mean, CeCe Bells has had a good summer also. But as far as winning the tournament, I think, you know, Sloan uh, has an outside, outside chance. But I love the way she's playing. Ostapenko needs to up it on the hard court, and Sidalina's proven herself. All right. We will now uh, move on a, uh, a TennisNow.com doubleheader. First up, Chris Odo, then Richard Pagliaro. Chris. Hey, you guys. Thanks for taking time out. Um, I was watching Sloan, actually, uh, in Cincinnati when she placed Simona Halep, and her coach came out in the first set, Kamau Murray, and he told Sloan that she was a better athlete than Halep as part of uh, her pep talk. And I mentioned that on Twitter and inspired quite a bit of debate, and I thought I'd turn it over to you guys. Who do you think best athlete on the WTA tour, and we'll take the Williams sisters out of that equation, if you don't mind. 
I don't think that I I care to answer that. I I can't show you one. I, how can you say that Sloan Stevens is um a better athlete than Halep? Who or how can you say you know Halep's a better athlete than Muguruza? I mean, you have to be a top level athlete now to be a top woman tennis player, and you didn't really have to in prior years. But they're all they they all have their strengths and whether it's you know mentally or I mean I consider that being a top athlete whether it's mentally whether it's moving wise whether it's power I I don't know how do you assess all the elements it takes to be a, a top yeah. athlete I I don't know how you can yeah. compare I would them. I would take those two as the top athletes uh, on the on the women's tour. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, I, because I think that, you know, there's other players like, you know, Sharapova obviously is a big, great ball striker. Pliskova, yeah, I guess natural. The same. I guess if you say natural athlete, are you saying nat- I mean, great athlete? Natural athlete, natural. the fastest yeah, athlete, right, right, you know, right. court coverage. Um, yeah, those two are, fun. you know, to me the best. Keys hits a bigger ball, but she doesn't move as well. You know, that's why yeah. Sloane Stevens could possibly do well, and that's why Halb has been in two Grand Slam finals because she's a, a roadrunner. You know, that's, move, it's not because yeah, she over, overpowers people, but, you know. Right, right. But, you know, as I, Chris is correct, that you, you know, the level of athleticism on both the men's and women's tour has improved, generally speaking, over the years. You know, the 100th-ranked player on either side is a better athlete than they were 20 years ago, 10 years ago even. The balls hit so much faster. You have to be more athletic. Mm-hmm. Good answers. Thank you, guys. All right. Now, Richard Pagliaro from Tennis Now, before we uh, take a little tour of the United Kingdom, starting with Danny Griffiths. Hi. Thank you so much for doing a call. appreciate it. I had a two-part question. Um, first, what are the odds that we see a Roger versus Rafa U.S. Open you know, final for the first time? And if Roger were to win this, his third major of the year, how would you rate it among his? that seasons and then secondly since you were both part of two of the greatest tennis rivalries we ever saw what rivalry would you like to see develop or would excite you if it developed on the tour um okay the first part of it is unlikely even though they're the, you know going to be the two favorites because it's never happened and the odds, you know, even with Roger to win three majors out of four would be astounding. Rafa has not done as well in the hard courts. It's hard to say, okay, I'm going to pick, uh, you know, Zverev. I wouldn't pick Zverev. I don't think he's quite ready to win it yet. But, um, you know, he's going to he's going to win majors. There's no question. So, you know, what I like that would be the like the ultimate, you know, to me. That would be the most fantastic year-ending situation for tennis. If these guys play having you know Roger potentially yeah. for the number one ranking, um, so yeah. that would be absolutely outstanding. Um, you know, despite obviously we want you know it's been 15 years since an American guy is is won one or 14 or 15 years, and so we hope that at some point that would intensify things. And as far as rivalries, you know, you put aside like the you know the top four who have dominated. Uh, over the course of the last, uh, you know, dozen years or ten years, you would have to start looking for some new people. And, you know, the type of rivalries that you hope for are the people, you know, that we hope will step up, whether it's Grigor, whether it's Zverev, whether it's Kyrgios, whether it's, you know, 
Jack Sock decided he was going to, you know, go 120 percent or some American made a step forward. Or you could pray that uh, Novak comes back and he was battled these other guys the way Roger's been able to do over the course of two or three sets of, uh, well, almost generations in a way he's been around that long. And you can't possibly expect Roger to keep going another two, three years and then play at 38, play Zverev at 22. Although at the way he's going, uh, I wouldn't, it wouldn't totally shock me, but um, you hope that, that guys that you feel have a couple of years left uh, and then guys that are going to step up and be the future number one. So those would be the most interesting to me. You know, I don't, I, I think this is going to be a really tough tournament for Roger to win because of the three out of five sets in the heat. Um, I think that it would be phenomenal if he did win. It would be it's the best year he's ever had in his career, winning three grand slams at his age. Um, it would, he should be sports illustrated athlete of the year. He should be in everybody's athlete of the year if he does that. But I think very much like Muguruza, I think for Roger, um, it's, it's going to be hard. It's going to be, I, I think that. Three out of five sets. If it was two out of three sets, I would say he's got a great shot at winning. But for some reason, um, and I I know how I felt when I played at 34 years old, and is he 36? He's 36 years old. It's just going to be tough three out of five sets for him to maintain that high level of consistency and um, fitness over a period of two weeks. Um, You know, I love the Nadal Federer rivalry. I love that rivalry. I love um, uh, with the women. I don't know because I like a contrast in a rivalry, and I like to you know big personalities. And I I don't. I mean I guess Sharapova against anybody would be a good rivalry because you know she's. I don't know. She's got that that fight and she's got that pride and she's got that professionalism and I still you know think she's like the biggest name aside from Serena in the game um it's 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 a hard call it's a hard call I don't know I really don't know Muguruza Muguruza and uh Mass and Keys would be it would be a good rivalry even though they they don't have contrasting styles they I think their games are pretty close uh, as far as the level um, and, and, you know, we're not even talking – Victoria Azarenka, if, when she comes back, hopefully will be right right there in the mix because I have a lot of respect for her game. And, and But other than that, it's hard to – the women, they just kind of blend into one another because nobody's really standing out yet, yet except for Muguruza right now. Yeah, as a quick follow, like, Chrissy, you mentioned Madison and John, you were mentioning um, Sock. If you had to pick an American who you think will go deepest, you know, whether Venus or Madison or Sam Query or Sock or any, who who would you all pick? Well, I I, I mean, I, I think Madison. I mean, I, she won Stanford. She, you know, again, she she hasn't been healthy for the last year, and she's had some bad losses, but when she's healthy – uh, and the way she's currently playing, she's a she definitely would be a threat to win the tournament. Uh, you know, as far as the guys, I really would put a virtual tie. I mean, for all three, Saw, Query, or Isner, I don't see mm-hmm. any of them winning it. 
um, are, I'd see all of them being dangerous. Uh, obviously, John with the serve, you know, not, none of the top guys want to play him. Sam had the great run at Wimbledon, and, and Jack is, I think, you know, talent-wise has, you know, the most upside at this stage. So I anticipate that, I hope that all of them make a good run, but um, it's going to be, and certainly, you know, more wide open and more opportunistic, uh, more opportunity than we expected with as many guys withdrawing and the unpredictability of it. But, you know, Jack looked like he was under the weather or something. He doesn't look like he's a hundred percent fit, you know, to me, I'm not quite sure. I haven't seen him. John had a good run, you know, but he struggled at Wimbledon and Sam, he looks like to be the most consistent. He looked a little bit fatigued. You know, all these guys are getting tired, obviously played a lot of tennis. So, he looked whipped at Cincinnati, so we'll have to wait and see. You know, and then part of it's the draw, and part of it's when they play. You know, you how many matches you get stuck in the heat of the day. Yeah, I think John brought up a great point. This this tournament is so much about fitness. You know, more than Paris, I think, and more than Wimbledon, where the weather is a little bit easier, like twenty degrees easier. Um, and it's on a hard court, and it's at the end of the year, and players, even though they don't admit it, are starting maybe to, to get a little bit worn out, um, the body and the mind. And that's why I think this U.S. Open is always such a big challenge of all the Grand Slams to play your best tennis because it's hard to be fresh when it's the ninth month of the year that you've been playing full time. Yeah, great answers. Thanks so much. You're welcome. All right, next up, Danny Griffith from the Metro, followed by Neil McLeeman at the Daily Mirror. Hello, Danny. Yeah. Yeah, hi. Uh, following on from that a little bit, how difficult is it going to be for Andy Murray uh, in the heat, uh, uh, given that he hasn't played since Wimbledon? And um, has the uh, rest sort of uh, given him the chance to recharge his batteries, or is it going to uh, the lack of playing time going to be a bit of a hindrance thank you yeah well we don't we don't know the answer to that you know we we're all wondering the same question uh you know is it going to help him mentally maybe is it going to hurt him physically maybe the fact that he rested his hip is that good probably the fact that he didn't play any matches probably not the best thing uh but roger didn't play for six months so he's obviously banking on something along those lines um i don't know if his hip from what i understand i'm not even sure he's 100 percent healthy yet and he may have something needed to be done after the tournament i'm not sure so this could be like look i've got this great chance to play at uh uh the open and do well so i'm going to take my chances i'm not really sure i haven't seen him yet yeah, and I think a lot – we don't know what his training's been. I mean, it's it's brutally hot down here, and I know he usually trains in Miami. We don't know how many weeks he's put in because, again, conditioning's going to be a big factor for him as well as all the other players. Thank you. All right, we move on. Neil McLeeman at the Daily Mirror and then Matt Lambert at the Daily Mail. Yeah, good evening. Just following up on that as well, I mean, do you see this event with people out um, injured being more open, more open maze we've had for years? And who would both of you pick on the men's well, side? It's hard not to pick about. Roger, uh, you know, right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's hard not to pick the one of the, you know, and Rafa, even though he didn't do that well at Wimbledon and he's had a couple, you know, not great results on the hard courts. You know, you, best of five, he's tougher. 
Andy normally is best to, is tougher and best to five, but as, as we just we're not quite sure where he's at. So um, yeah. it'd be pretty hard to pick you know someone besides one of those two at the moment. You know, is Zverev ready to step up best of five? Well, you know, if he is, uh, he's ready. You know, he's positioned himself. And, you know, I've been waiting for Dimitrov for the past three, four years. Uh, so I saw he looked better than I'd ever seen him in Cincy. Um, the match, one of the matches of the year was the Nadal match in the semis of Australia. So uh, he's got a great chance to step forward and do some, you know, go, you know, get to the finals. Or at least the semis. Yeah. I don't know how you can pick anybody in the women's. I mean, on paper, it's Muguruza in her current form. You know, uh, how is she going to deal with the pressure? In the past, um, you know, she's been a little fragile mentally, but on the same, at the same time, she seems to do great in Grand Slam tournaments. So, on paper, you'd have to pick her. But, um, again, Mass and Keys, Pliskova. There's some there's some other power players that that can match Muguruza's power and maybe have less pressure and maybe a little fresher um, than Muguruza. So it, again, it's it's um, it's so hard to predict. There's just so many factors, especially the last Grand Slam. Okay, thank you both. All right, uh, we will uh, now. Get to Matt Lambert at the Daily Mail, and then we'll see if there's any follow-up uh, first from Rory at Reuters. Reuters. Uh, hi guys, thanks for doing this. Um, I've got uh, two questions. The first one, uh, I'm, uh, I'd be interested to see to know what both of you think about Conta's chances coming into the Open, uh, and also with so many people pulling out of the um, uh, of the Open, do you think it's time that we need to start look at changing the schedule? Uh, to avoid burnout and uh, injuries. Thanks. Well, Conta, you know, I, I haven't mentioned Conta yet. Of course, she's in the she's in like when I said there's eight or ten players. Um, she's one of the eight or ten players. Um, but I, I don't, you know, I, I, I'm I've been a little disappointed with her hardcore season. Um, I thought that maybe she she really played so great at Wimbledon. She really played beautiful tennis, and I thought maybe she would carry that over to the hard court season. But haven't seen some any great results. I don't know. I don't know. If she's Wimbledon might have taken just so much out of her, and I know she was injured after Wimbledon, so she took a break. I I, I I'm not quite sure. I would pick her. You know, I say that her chances are that great but of course um you know you never you never know with her she's got she's got a great game um what was the other question quanta okay quanta and then uh, about the um uh, about uh, whether we need to look at changing the schedule um to make oh. it less uh, tiring now with so many people pulling out and so many yeah. injuries well i think you're gonna have you you seem to have it more on the men's side than the women's. And I think, you know, the women are pretty, you know, we play two out of three sets and we don't, you know, it's just a little bit more manageable for the women. I think giving the the French, between French and Wimbledon one extra week, I think that was really great. Um, I I think the schedule's fine. I think the players just have to be smart about picking after Wimbledon, picking what tournaments they want to play and not play every single hardcore tournament. That's, I've seen, the top players are like entering every single hardcore tournament. <laughs> it's like be a little sensible and 
and practical about when you're going to peak for the U.S. Open and not get don't get burned out before you play. So I don't think there there really needs to be any adjustments. I think it's just a matter of the, the players picking and choosing a little bit better, a little bit wiser. John, I don't know what happened. Uh, John, uh, you know, t- this has been something, obviously, the people that follow tennis have been looking at for 40 years. We were discussing that when I came up in the late 70s. So the schedule was virtually year-round. Uh, Australia used to be uh, through, uh, you know, actually during Christmas initially. And then the uh, Masters would be early January. So there was almost no break whatsoever. So they've, you know, they've worked over the years to try to get it down to maybe eight or, you know, nine or ten months. I think that they'd be better served to perhaps, you know, continue to look at that, look at, uh, you know, not – there's a whole host of things you can do. I think people obviously realize that, uh, you know, even though when I grew up and I was young, I thought, you know, a hard court was great because you could stop and start on a dime and, you know, but it takes its toll on you physically. So you have to be more careful on a hard court. It, it beats you up more. So that is where the sense – being sensible, like Chrissy said, you know, leading up to the tournament. And sometimes it's just unpredictable. You know, you just don't know. But certainly the wear and tear is, is there more because the ball is being hit harder than ever. So you have to react quicker. So things can happen more often than they did in the past. Uh, so that's part of why you're seeing a lot of injuries. But let's face it, there have been injuries for a long time. This is nothing new. Uh, so uh, they're going to continue to look at it and hopefully um, – Things like Davis Cup, you know, where they refuse to make a change for 40 years. I think that's a big problem. Um, and so there's certain things that they have to, even though that was a big, you know, a big part of tennis in the past when I grew up. Um, so you're going to see uh, people continuing, and they should. We should continue to try to figure out ways to, you know, get the maximum uh, out of all the players. You know, my problem when I was playing was never up, was never the U.S. Open as much as the tournaments after the U.S. Open. You know, we had to play. There were two or three European tournaments we had to play. Then we had to play the Virginia Swims Championships, and, and our season wouldn't end until early November. Those are the tournaments that I felt it was hardest to get psyched up for, and my body, I was just exhausted, and I was not 100%. But as far as Australia to the U.S. Open, I think that's pretty that's manageable and doable if if the players are smart about their decision making. And just on Conta, uh, John, do you have any thoughts on her going into the? US? I mean, I think Conta's a good competitor, and she's you know done a lot of positive things. I, she's pretty uh, to me. She's made some real good strides. Uh, a little mechanical at times uh, to me. Uh, and she's uh, someone that, uh, I mean, I respect what she's done, and she seems to have sort of used, uh, you know, where parts of her game were weak, like mentally she's, you know, gotten in touch or worked with the right people to get herself in a better frame of mind more often. She had a great week, I believe, in uh, Miami winning that on hardcore. So, she, you know, her game to me is, is best suited to uh, hard courts, but I also believe that the emotional and physical toll at Wimbledon, you know, more emotional than physical, you know, took it, you know, caught up to her. And I'm guessing, I'm, this is just an absolute guess, she let down some, and then maybe the body let, lets down, and she's got to sort of try to get herself going again. But I saw her play, um, I think she was playing Halep at uh, Cincinnati, uh, 
Is that right? I think she lost to Halep in Cincinnati. Or I saw her yeah. there. I watched her one match. Yes, and, you're um, right. You're right. She no, she looked like she, she you know she looked like herself. You know she looked like she had some fire. She was, you know, uh, almost got herself back in that match when it looked to be very one sided. So you know she's you know Chrissy said there's a handful. She's certainly in that group of people that could yeah. do it. Yeah. Great. Thanks very much. All right, let's go back to the top and see if we have a follow-up or two. Uh, we'll start with Rory Carroll at Reuters and then Sandy Harwood at USA Today. Yeah, thanks a lot. Um, just uh, You talked about it being uh, pretty open on the men's side. Uh, John, I think that's really interesting because um, uh, the, the talk a bit about the women's side, it's up for grabs. Um, is this, you know, just big picture, one of the more wide-open U.S. Opens going into it that you've seen in a while? Well, I mean, it's not open in the sense that you anticipate that Federer and Nadal are going to win it, uh, and then, you know, then you're wondering, okay, if that doesn't happen, because we're not sure about Murray. Uh, Murray would be the other guy, the guys that have been there, done that. You know, Chilich hasn't played since Wimbledon. He's won the Open. You know, so there's like Del Pocho is, is – won the open, but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't look to be at that level, you know, that he won it, you know, and, and, and so, but, but if first, you know, it wouldn't be shocking considering Rogers 36 and he's had two majors already that perhaps things didn't go as smoothly as perhaps they did the other times. And maybe Nadal say wasn't around and let's say Murray wasn't healthy. Well, then that's going to be like, well, who's going to do it? That's where it really gets open and where you have to wait and see what the draw looks like and how things transpire and who's really mentally and physically fit enough to do this for seven matches. That's where it gets unpredictable. At the moment, you know, we're sort of assuming that Roger's going to pull up, you know, the, uh, the rabbit out of the hat again. Right. And if Roger does, does this, is this his best season and does it cement him as best of all time, in your opinion? If if Roger wins this, this would be one of the great <laughs> stories in, you know, the last 50 years or ever. It's already, like Chrissy said, uh, that he should be sportsman of the, the Sports Illustrated Athlete of the Year. I think he should be Sports Illustrated Athlete of the Year already, whether he wins this or not. Yeah. But if he does win it, it'll be like a shoe-in. So uh, this is an amazing thing in what he's done at his age, uh, especially he won three five-setters in Australia. It's not exactly cool down there either. And he played Wimbledon without losing a single set. So <laughs> I, I just saw him today because we were just doing a little uh, press conference for the Labor Cup. And I just like, I got to tell you, this is absolutely, you know, just hats off. This is, I've watched tennis for 40, 50 years. I've never seen anything <laughs> like this. Yeah. Yeah, it, he came back. It, it was ridiculous. He came back. It, it was like he was. He's a different person. He was like his clone has come back. You know, I, I don't know what happened. He's so light on his feet, the way he's moving around the court, and hopefully, hopefully after I was sitting on the court actually in um, Montreal when he tweaked his lower back, and it was really, uh, it was really evident that something was wrong with him. And just he, you never know. He's very he doesn't say much about his injuries, and he, he made no excuses after that match, but. Hopefully, you know that's the other thing is we have. Hopefully, he's healthy. I mean, that back has caused him problems in the in the past, and you know you get older and you don't you don't mend as quickly. So hopefully, he's 100% because the hard court, as John was saying, the hard court is the worst thing in the world for your joints and your lower back. 
and playing five sets. That's going to be tough. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Now we'll see if uh, Sandy has anything else, and then we'll check with Scott Price. Yeah, I'd like to actually ask uh, both of you, maybe put on your hats as people who run academies and everything. Does it worry you at all that sometimes we see a kid come out and they do something really special and then there's so much emphasis put on the kid and so much pressure? I'm thinking kind of like Melanie O'Dan when she had such a big moment and she just retired. And, you know, I know she had uh, a lot of injuries and whatever. And in the men's, I'm thinking like last year, Taylor Fritz was going to set the world on fire and then that dissipated. Does it worry you that we put too much pressure on these kids once they show a glimmer of hope and maybe we should step back a little bit? Yes, yeah, shame on you. <laughs> shame on the press. <laughs> well, you know what? I think that they're, they're – I, th- I think it's more evident in the smaller countries like – I'm sorry, but in England, it's atrocious how the much pressure – I remember talking to Annabelle Croft and Barker and all the younger players. I mean, that's – when when you're in a smaller country and you're on your own and you're the only one. But I think in America, the good thing is is that there are quite a few um, players right now. And, and when I look at the women, um, you know, the, the top junior players and Coco and Madison and, and Sloan. And um, I think that it's tough, the publicity. I think it's it's because it's a lot more – magnified now and especially at a young age you kind of you kind of start believing in the publicity a little bit but i think if you're if you have the game and the mentality to um sort of play it out i think that eventually you come around to uh how good you're really supposed to be and and everything kind of um evens out and i think it's starting to happen again with a madison and coco's playing more consistent now and you know, hopefully this will happen to Sloan Stevens. Um, but yeah, I think I think the press always they always sort of put a lot of pressure on on players. And usually when the players that young, you know, it's it's hard because they they're confused. They they've never had to, they haven't had the experience of dealing with anything like that before. But don't you think? I mean, the, the USTAs, the, the those places as well, and countries also the LTA, they put pressure on. Besides the Media. I mean, uh, worse than anyone would be the parents normally. Right. You know, so there's a whole host of things. But ultimately, look at Zverev. I mean, you know, I'm sure a lot of people expected, you know, a lot of things from him. You know, obviously. He seems like he's handling it well. And sometimes Nick has had trouble, it feels like, handling it, you know, because the overwhelming expectations. And, you know, you, some people learn, you hope. And others, you know, Taylor Fritz got married and had a kid. He was 18 or 19. You know, I mean, that that could throw a little, uh, you know, complication into the old, uh, you know, focusing on tennis. Yeah. Well, I don't know where the pressure You don't know where the pressure is coming from. I mean, the pre- like you said, the pressure, it could come from the public. It could come from the press. It could come from the agents. It could come from the coach, the parents. They can even, even these kids can put pressure on themselves. Uh, you don't know you don't really know where it's coming from, but, um, you know, that's why it's, it's important to have an, a good close team that doesn't really get excited about, um, the big wins. You know, you just, you just have to temper it and, and not get all excited about it because you know what, tomorrow's a new day. Next week's a new tournament. You and you know, you, you've got to have a short memory if you want to be a champion. 
Great. Thank you. All right. We will wrap things up if Scott Price has a follow-up. Yeah, I, I do, actually. Um, <clears throat> both of you um, played against siblings, and both of you had – you know, how to deal with longevity and, and, you know, burnout and motivation late in careers and that sort of thing. I'm just wondering, and it may be something completely different from both those things, but what is it that most, each of you find most remarkable about Venus? Um, well, as an older brother, uh, the way that she's handled uh, a younger sister, you know, eclipsing her completely. And that she still continued to support her in a way that I think that the best thing that ever happened to Serena Williams is Venus Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, that, that is a remarkable quality. That's very difficult, you know, to be able to handle that. And she's done that remarkably well and allowed Serena to do her thing and become the best player that ever played and be, have a, be the, uh, like in the back seat as great a player as Venus was. So to me, uh, that's, you know, has been a quality that's kept them close and uh, allowed uh, Serena to reach her potential and to uh, she and Venus get the respect she deserves as a human being and, and as a sister. Couldn't Great, I mean I couldn't agree. I, I I think Scott, you and I have talked about this. I couldn't agree more. I, just the way she handled herself amidst Serena's success, and she so many times was in the shadows and so many times Serena, you know, was in the limelight and the way, not only the, the, the class and the grace that she showed, but the support that she showed for Serena, the way she would sit in the box and watch her matches. And it didn't, you know, she doesn't have a big ego and all great tennis players have a, have a big ego. All great athletes have a big ego. I don't care if anybody denies that they're wrong. And for her, that ego must have been bruised so many times, but she just handled it uh, with with so much grace. And I admire her so much more for that than for than for all of her accomplishments in tennis. It, it is amazing because we're because it's because she's very proud that we know she has great pride, and yet you're right, it's it's yes. different than ego. It's not it's not the same thing. I, you know, I think they. There's such a tight family, you know. I think that where they came from, the fact that they were always um, thrown, you know, curves were thrown at them, um, the way that they were under scrutiny, I think that just made them closer and closer, and love and family come before anything and uh, come before ego and come before, uh, you know, their careers. So I don't – but on the other hand – you know, I don't know. Serena hasn't been tested. I wonder what would have happened if she was on the other foot. You know, and Serena, <laughs> Serena, at, at the youngest one, if, if Venus, meaning meaning if Venus, the older sister, had beaten her in all those matches. You know, I don't know if Serena would have handled it the way that Venus handled it. So no. that's that's what's remarkable. It's just the way she's handled it. She Great. Let, Thank she you so much. Revealed, she hasn't revealed one minute that she was threatened or jealous of her sister, Serena. I just think that's awesome. Yep. Great. Thank you. Welcome. All right. Thank you all. Good stuff. John and Chrissy, thank you for your time, everyone. Thank you for your interest. A reminder, another call tomorrow with Brad, Patrick, and Cliff. And it all starts Monday on the ESPN platforms. Have a good day, everybody. Thank you. Thank you, guys.